Welcome to Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast, where we explore marketing trends and technology, gaining insider knowledge from the industry's best. You're just proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and software development team Fjorge, and today on our show, we'll be talking with Alex Olivero from Curio Digital. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hey, Joe. I'm really excited to talk to you today. All right. Yeah, I know. We have uh, known each other for, uh, I don't know, six or seven years, maybe even longer. Um, yeah, I was... Uh... I was a young guy uh, when we first met. I think I'm still kind of young. I think um, you are. Yeah, we went to a coffee shop. I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, we talked about development as I just became a, I think I was maybe a junior digital art director. And I was the only digital person at the agency I was currently yes. working at. So I was the only one you could have talked to. So. <laughs> so. Well, that makes it, I mean, those are the people I want to talk to. So it was the the right fit. And I know we didn't uh, stay connected that organization, but we have over the, the years, uh, different things through your career and, and all of that, that's uh, had a positive impact on, on both of us. So um, super excited to, to get back in touch with you and talk about your your latest and, and greatest and, and all the things you've done. But let's take it back to uh, even a little bit further than that. Like, how was this a path, this path to digital agency type ownership and, and management? Was this where you thought you would be? What were your goals when you were thinking about school and beyond and jobs and all of that? So how did all this come about? Yeah, uh, it's been a somewhat unconventional route, um, to say the least. I think a lot of people, maybe about 10 years ago, kind of going into school, I don't think a lot of them were focused on kind of digital design as much. Maybe they were. I was a little bit more focused on doing illustration when I went into college. Um, and then I had a professor tell me, hey, you talk too much, uh, maybe go into marketing. And <laughs> So when he told me that, I kind of made a shift and went into art direction. Uh, I went to Columbia College, Chicago, went into art direction and had a professor that ended up getting me a job in uh, art direction. So I was a intern for them and they just didn't have anyone who did digital. Um, so every time we got a digital project, it was kind of thrown up in the air. And as an intern, I was like, I'll do it. And so I just started to take it and I loved it instantly. I was I was hooked. I loved the process of doing kind of digital work. I love the freedom of it. I love that. <laughs> I love that I could make a mistake and it wouldn't be enshrined forever in print. <laughs> sure. um, so I could always, I could always edit it after the fact. Um, so that was, that was a big, big deal for me. And I love that you could track results. Um, you could see your work and you could update things and you can do things in real time that affected what the output was. So just loved it right off the gate. Started as an intern, grew to junior and then senior. And because there was no one, I could move quickly. Um, so kind of moved up into that senior digital position and then decided to go off on my own and do freelance work. I wanted to explore a bunch of different avenues. Um, and so in doing so, I decided let's do some freelance, just see how it goes. Went well, went with a partner, kind of did some good stuff, learned development and I was able to um, take that and basically turn it into 
a career that I got to do both the things I loved, which was kind of development and design. And so now we're here today where I'm running an agency and doing neither of which and managing a bunch of people who do both. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I thought for sure you were, well, at least I was jealous when I first met you. I'm pretty sure your projects were for some very high profile car brands. Yeah. Um, I got to work on McLaren Automotive, which was probably the most fun client of my career. Yeah, there's still there's still a lot of stuff to come, <laughs> but it it was most fun for a couple reasons. One, because it's McLaren and yeah. it's just cool to work on in general. But the other one is because I didn't have to work extremely hard to make amazing art because their imagery was so good that I could just basically put a large image on a screen and that would pretty much sell it. So it was fun in those in both those respects. And then I got to go to a couple uh, cool events and things like that. And one of the events that we went to, I had to sneak into with a partner who actually became my business partner. And I think that was the start of it because her and I snuck in. In uh, cahoots to, together. <laughs> we had no ticket. We stayed in a like crummy motel, but we were going to a like high end car, uh, uh, show. And we snuck in with a bot, a giant bottle of champagne. And if you're familiar with formula one, they shake the champagne and spray it all over each sure. other. With one of those bottles. And we basically pretended we were pushing the cart to bring it in. And the guy who was actually delivering the bottle, let us do that. We got in, once we got into McLaren, they were like, Hey, good to see you. Here's a pass. But no one met us at the door, so. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm, I imagine you didn't trade any of your work for a McLaren. No, no. They unfortunately they don't give you McLarens when you work with McLaren. Bummer. But I, yeah, right. And I I even missed out on driving one because I was photographing them on the side of the road. Like I mentioned, as an art director, I kind of had to do a lot of different things, not just digital. So I was also a photographer because it was a small agency. So you got to hustle. And I was sitting on the side of the road and I missed my chance to drive one. So even though I've done a ton of work with them, I've never, never driven the car, unfortunately. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully in the near future, you can be like, I finally got my McLaren, right? Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. That, that's the goal. That's my major goal of the agency. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit more about Curio. So as you've as you're kind of leading this agency and its growth and and all of those things what what is it that you are headed towards what are you trying to do for your clients what value do you bring what do you do what are you crushing these days yeah so curio is a partnership that i have with another uh per, not the one i i snuck into the mclaren um uh show with but actually a different partner that i did development work with so, and she focuses strictly on web flows. She had a web flow development only agency and I worked together with her and absolutely loved her process. And, and it, it mainly because she specifically focused on web flow, which is some uh, platform that I can develop in. Um, I just loved the way that she managed not only her internal employees, but her uh, client relationship. So it was just an immediate match made in heaven from a business standpoint. And we just took off and we started to do side projects for fun. When AI, when ChatGPT and AI kind of took off, sure. I think a lot of people were like, oh, what can we do with this? So her and I kind of just brainstormed, but then just loved working together in general. So we kind of brought our two worlds together. She did 
development only. I had experience in both development and UI, UX, and design. So I'm like, let's expand our services together and offer the full Monty. And so we did. And as we've kind of grown, we've even started to do some fun little side projects like hackathons. And we ended up winning um, the lablab.ai hackathon um, for one of our video game products called EasyDX. And uh, I, I won't go too deep into that, but that kind of set us off on a path to also offer product services beyond just marketing services from the agency side. So it's kind of taking those two sides of the business and bringing them together, which is really beneficial, I think, for kind of, you get to play both sides. And I think that's something I've done in my career yeah. is played both sides. Like you play the client side and you play the um, the agency side, just like I kind of played the design side and the development side. And by doing both, you get such a clear picture about why maybe certain things will be difficult for certain teams or how to speak to certain teams, how to work together. Um, that collaboration just is, is, I think, just super important. It's like uh, the show Undercover Boss. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, put a, put a fake, fake outfit on and just pretend you're something else for a while. And then you kind of understand it a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and I know I wanna I wanna sit on the topic of Webflow for a little bit because for a couple different reasons is I haven't really talked about it much on this particular show, but it's something that our organization is using and, and the first place I heard about it was from you. Um and and I also think it's like the perfect space for someone like yourself who's on the design and dev side. So um, you know, would just love to hear, you know, why you have attached yourselves to that platform, what you like about it, what you think it does really well and, and, and why it's serving your clients so well. Yeah, of course. So I'm a huge Webflow fanboy. So I always, I have clients go, well, do you work for them when I'm trying to like, <laughs> tell them about I'm like, no, I don't work for them. I stumbled on them around 2017, I think. And what hooked me right away is that the, the founders of Webflow are a developer and a designer. And the ethos behind Webflow was to democratize development in the hands of designers as well. So allow designers to be a part of the development process, which a young designer was like all over. I was just couldn't be more excited about kind of jumping into that. So when I started kind of doing those, I was able to make a simple design and turn it into a website in a day or two. And it wasn't anything spectacular. Webflow specifically focuses on mainly marketing brochure sites. Now they've expanded into being able to do like some complicated CMS stuff, but because you don't have server access and you're, you're somewhat limited, yep. but those limitations kind of allow you in marketing sites to do some really cool stuff with animation and design because if you're if you have that focus and it's not something like a WordPress or a more complicated like headless CMS, and you're not thinking about those deeper development tools for a simple marketing site. It allows you a ton more freedom. You're super fast kind of diving in. It was it honestly, it was a tool that changed my career because without it, I think I would have quickly gotten <laughs> frustrated because I do not have a background in computer science and didn't really understand a lot of the uh, more technical details of working 
um, in WordPress and working with PHP and, and a lot of more heavy duty coding languages, I could jump into Webflow day of and kind of make something. Um, so that's kind of how I fell in love and why and how I fell in love with it. Um, and I've been continuing to use it because they've continued to grow with me. I feel like, again, sounding super salesy for Webflow right now, but I feel like they're a partner that I've worked with for the last five or six years. Like I legitimately feel like they've improved as I've improved. Sure. Yeah. And it's really nice when you see that happening and especially when they're going down the same path you're going down. Yeah. I mean, I mean, from, from our perspective, it is, it's the right tool for the job in, in certain solutions that we do as well. And, um, it definitely is getting some, getting a lot of tension on the features and just in the market out there in general. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, it's growing from, from my perspective and in a very positive way from the features that it offers to the ecosystem that they have to the, customizations that you can make and, and, and all of that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And, and one thing that is always one of my favorite things to talk to you about Alex is just this, like, because you take both that design and, and, and development side, which of course there are people that do that. Um, but I think you've taken it further than, than most in that area. So I, I love asking you these questions, but, um, uh, one of the comments that you made to me as we prep for this show is, is can't you just make a template? So let's talk a little bit about, <laughs> you might regret that now, but I had to bring yeah. it up. Um, and, and it's a, a common, can't, can't you just use a template? Like why, you know, a lot of folks, so what we're getting at here is that a lot of Webflow and WordPress has these templates where you take a um, something that's pre-built and kind of plug in your own content. And yep. I know the some of the issues, and I'll continue to mention them as with that thought process. But I'd love to just get your take on on what the advantages are from kind of starting with a blank slate, and and what you see as as issues with, with templates. And it's it's the right solution sometimes, but for most of the time, when somebody's asking an expert to do it, it's not always the right solution. Yes, I do. I do somewhat regret that comment <laughs> because I'm going to sound uh, a little crass talking about this topic because it is something that's kind of come up a lot. And it's it's it makes sense from a business perspective when you're thinking, I have a site, I like the way it looks, I want to take that and put my content in place. And a lot of times it does come from that design perspective. And this is where kind of like the design development, having both experiences yeah. helps because you take a template and now ideally you want a template that's a, a design and development template. So it has both files. So you have designer files and development files. As you start to break that template down and start to change things, you're also changing the style guide, which means that that style guide needs to be adjusted by your development team. Now, depending on how much you break it down will depend on how much extra work the development team will have to do to retrofit your new design with that template. So that's where things start to like just start to go off the rails because you're now breaking all the class systems that that template has. You're now breaking a lot of the, you're changing. The fonts are easy. The colors are easy. And that's what templates are made for, which is yep. changing content, colors, fonts, the the skin of it 
But when you start adding new sections, when you start changing sections, maybe I want my section instead of being three cards, I want it to be two cards and I want one card to be a different size than the second card. You're like at that point, just just having a developer kind of go in and update would take longer than just giving them a design and letting them start from scratch and make those decisions, which they're really good at. And I think a lot of times, like uh, both sides don't understand like the pre-process development teams go through in order to plan out their class systems and all the different yeah. like style systems that they're going to use. And when you have a template that you've done some uh, unique work for, and then also some, uh, templated work for you're blending those two worlds and it blows a lot of things up. So the best process, because I don't want to just complain about it, I think giving a, a best case scenario would be to build within a system. So instead of finding a template that you like, use those templates as inspiration. And then hopefully if you work with a seasoned designer who has UI experience and is more focused in digital and not just a general designer, they'll usually have resources that have like pre-built modules that they can kind of start with. Yep. And they'll have a system of how much padding they use. I tend to use an eight point system. So like everything is based off eight points. So any design you work with with me, if you, if, and as a designer who does not like math at all. This was, <laughs> I, there's two, sorry, I'm on a tangent here. There's two things, math I suck at. And then I tell people when I misspell stuff that I don't, I didn't misspell it. I see shapes when I design, I don't see words. So that's why it's misspelled. It was just a shape I saw. And I, wasn't <laughs> so I don't use that as much anymore, but every once in a while I have to throw that out there. Um, so when you're using those point systems, it allows for the development team to have a standardized set of points when working with that design. So if you as like if you're a client, if you're on even on the agency side and you get that question of can I work with a, can I use a template? Will it save me money or time? Probably not. I mean, there is cases where it does, where if it's, I just want to make this exact thing, this template is perfect for my business. I just want to replace the content. I just want to replace the colors. But if you like a template, you probably just like it as an inspiration and make sure that you're very clear about what your goals are, what your content's going to be. And if you use that template as that inspiration, your design team will be able to execute on that. And your development team will be a lot happier because they'll be able to start fresh and one thing I know about developers, it's they do not like working with someone else's development system. They don't like working with something like they didn't do. So a lot of times they build it, rebuild it anyway. So like just kind of starting from there and having those parameters makes it a lot more of a smooth process. And also just makes, I think overall, the design team feel more creative and be able to have a little more freedom and really be able to execute on your business goals successfully instead of trying to jam certain content and certain pieces into a template that may not be the one that's for your business. Yep. So yeah, totally. I, but that's, <laughs> that's what I've dealt with for the last like seven, eight years and, and kind of retrofitting templates. Right. Right. I, I, the analogy I use is a, a one that everybody uses on a lot of things, but cars is a template is great. If you like how the Toyota Camry looks and you yep. just want to change the rims and the paint color. Yes. 
But if you, if you buy, if you're like, well, let's start with the, let's start with the Toyota Camry, but I really want it to be a Porsche. Yes. You would never ask anybody to do that because it would cost you more to make that Toyota Camry a really a Porsche than it would just to go buy one or have them make one from the start. It's it's that level. I like that analogy. And it just makes me think of like a Toyota Camry where you slap a massive spoiler on it. You have a (laughs) like 10 engine just shut sticking out of the hood. It wouldn't look good. It wouldn't look good. But if you do that for like, uh, you know, uh, a Ferrari or a Porsche, that wouldn't look good for a Ferrari or a Porsche. But there is a case where that would look good. And if you think about that as giving your goals and your goals are clear, you can make that perfect car for yourself. So. Yeah, I like I all the car know. analogies we've been having. We talk about McLaren. Yeah, I didn't even know either one of us were like car people, really. But uh, they they do make for good analogies. I like Formula One. I don't understand what's. Ha- I don't understand the the. It's so technical, but I I do like Formula One. That's probably my the farthest I dig into cars. I have a Tesla, so I I like the electric cars now. And I'm really into it. So if you ask me to fix anything like uh, on a <laughs> on a gas park, I wouldn't know what to do anymore. Yeah, where's the battery in this thing, right? Yeah, where's the battery? In this thing? <laughs> All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to chat with you about because, again, like utilizing kind of your experience and and where you're at both in the design and dev side. Like, where do you see this go? Where do you see this like te- this technology being able to take designers and developers over the next five years? whether that's through a platform, whether that's through making it clear for designers and developers, like where do you think we'll be in five years? It's been, it's come a long way in the the last five years. I've seen, I've worked at a few, I've done consulting and worked at small agencies and small agencies are interesting because they have to, people have to wear a lot of hats at those agencies. They have to be able to do a lot of things because they'll get requests for things that you may not have a dedicated person to handle. And initially, what I would see a lot of is you'd retrofit graphic designers to handle digital designs like UI, UX, and they wouldn't really have much experience and they lay out a lot of stuff like print in web. And so there's been a lot of there's a lot of rules that have to go into UI and and UX. And I've started to see more people come out of school with that background, more so than the general graphic design or art direction background, which was more common when I was in school. Um, And so seeing that happen and then seeing them also kind of have a little bit of an understanding of development kind of lets me extrapolate a new kind of role, which is maybe a little, maybe I'm biased because it it seems almost like there's more of me where it's someone who has design and development and can kind of do a little of everything. And when it comes to the world of like marketing and doing um, marketing brochure style websites, that's kind of, in my opinion, the best person because you have someone who can execute execute quickly. You have someone who kind of understands both those worlds and hopefully they understand user experience and can optimize your page. But then that person can continue with you to kind of work and optimize your site. And so in the next five years, I just see that becoming more and more of a standardized role. I don't know what that's called. Like, a, I like... You know, I've seen like, I've seen a lot of like digital ninja and digital, like 
digital samurai and weird like terms like that. But like whatever that role ends up being, and even if it's just like a UX UI designer, if that's the role that they have development experience, kind of that's where I see things in the next five years going more dual role. Um, I also see, I also see a lot of, and this is getting a little more on the technical side, I guess, but like a lot more building in kind of an understanding react and understanding components and kind of how to build those out. And I've seen designers thinking that way about how to build out component sets and then utilizing those and their design and kind of like, they designers are starting to think a little bit like developers and they're doing a lot of pre processing before when I was, man, I'd get a, I'd get a brief and I would just start throwing stuff on a, and this is going to date me, but Photoshop, I would just start dumping stuff in Photoshop and start moving stuff around and throwing in squares and circles and just moving pieces around. Now it's like you start with, a system like um, Untitled UI or Rayloom, or there's a lot of design system bases out there, and you start to plan out the entire project beforehand, um, which is cool. So long story short, the melding of those two worlds, a designer and developer, and becoming kind of a hybrid of both seems a little bit like the way things are going. Yeah, and and I think the tools and... The tools and, and the libraries and all those things are making that possible where yep. you, you know, you, 10 years ago, you had to be an expert at literally writing lines of code or designing in Photoshop. It was harder to be good at both because those tools were what they were 10 years ago. And exactly. they've come so far where, you know, Webflow is doing some of the coding for you or setting up the systems and CSS and, and all of that. And it allows for that hybrid person to be effective and not be, I mean, you can be a master of the web instead of a, a master of coding or a master of designing. Yep, exactly. And creative is just, yeah, being creative. All the tools are leaning towards allowing you to be more creative and giving you the freedom to be creative. So Next five years, I think we'll just be able to be more creative and just spend time doing, even with AI, just doing more of the creative, fun work that you want to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Alex, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Thank you so much for joining us. Always good to catch up with you, see where you're headed, and and give our listeners some insight. So I can't thank you enough. Awesome, Joe. It was really great talking to you. Never enough time. I know, I know. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. You can download episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. 